Welcome, welcome everybody. It's Game Off episode 52. This week we got Tales of Arise and Unpacking in our showcase. Also, Game Awards season. Ooh, we're going to be talking awards. about the We're going to be talking about the game The Game Awards nominees um, before the show on December 9th. It's this Thursday. It's coming up real fast. Andy, <laughs> what's going on with the Game Awards? You want to go run down some of these nominees for us? Man, there definitely were at least nine games released this year, looking at this game of the year list. And like, it's only, I think it's only nine. Um, the games, as best I can tell looking from this list, the only games that came out in the last year that are worth talking about are Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts, Ratchet and Clank, Resident Evil, and Returnal. I might be missing one, <laughs> but that's basically it. Any other games didn't come out. So, you know, anything else you're thinking of didn't happen. It was just those games. Uh, and that's basically the list of the lineup for re- Game of the Year, Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and & Clank, and Resident Evil Village. Now, to my knowledge, we've talked about zero of those games. Am I correct? Yeah, no, that's correct. We, we've uh, had a sparse <laughs> year of recording, but it's uh, <laughs> definitely accurate. <laughs> have you played any of those? I have played Psychonauts 2 and Metroid Dread. Would you say that Psychonauts 2 is the best game that came out this year? Oh no, no. Okay, I've played I played at least five games better that aren't on this game of the game of the year awards list. Mm. No, because well, because they're not good. Um, so I'm sorry <laughs> cool. to hear that. Uh, I've played none of those oh. games, so none of those would be my game of the year. Uh, it's unfortunate, but you know it happens. Game direction is a very similar uh, <laughs> list of Deathloop. It takes two <laughs> Psychonauts, two Ratchet and Clank, and Returnal. It's fun that they've uh, gone the Oscars route and not really looked at any other games or movies when nominating Game Direction. No, no, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, It does make me wonder how Resident Evil Village could be one of the best games of the year without having the best direction. uh, Or how Returnal could have the best direction and not be one of the best games of the year. (laughs) It's just a curious thing to me. After watching, like, years of Oscars and, like, decades of film, like, I kind of get it with the Oscars. Like, sometimes there are nominees that aren't best film of the year, nominees, etc., etc. With games, I... What? I don't understand how you come to this conclusion. Like, what makes Returnal more direct? What makes it more game-directed? Better (laughs) game-directed? What I love, and we're going to be jumping around here a lot, um... Metroid Dread is a game of the year contender, but it did not was not nominated for game direction, narrative, art direction, score music, or audio design. So what about it is game of the year exactly? <laughs> I, I think Metroid <laughs> like, Dread is like maybe it's an interesting um, case because it's it's a, it's a Nintendo game. Like I don't know how to say that without it, it being is, insulting, but there's like the, there's. Was that it? Like, basically, we need a Nintendo game for the for the game of the year. Where What's in the Nintendo slot? Because there's an EA <laughs> game, there's a Microsoft game, oh, there's actually technically two if you count Bethesda oh. and Double Fine. There's a Sony game, there's a miscellaneous Japanese company game, but we need a Nintendo game. Oh, that, so that's not what I was going for, but also now that you pointed that out, I'm extremely sad because that <laughs> seems to be exactly what they La- were going for. Last last year we had a Nintendo, we had a Microsoft, we had a Square, we had a Sony, and we no. had Supergiant. Oh, that's definitely what they were trying to do then. And actually, that's just out of curiosity, I want to check 2019 here. Um, we've got a 505, a Sony, a Microsoft, <laughs> Capcom, and Nintendo. So... 
Uh, well, my original point was that, like, <laughs> Nintendo doesn't have, like, a, a lot of production involved in it, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a good game with good gameplay. Like, there's not a tremendous amount of voiceover, there's not, like, great sound mixing. Maybe it's just the audio's shit in all Nintendo games. Maybe that's my point. So, in that regard, I could see why it wouldn't be nominated for game direction, but now, now I'm just depressed thinking about your actual point. Um... <laughs> Well, because okay. like, if you look, look at the other Nintendo games this year, it wasn't going to be Pokemon Snap, because that was a fart in the bath if I've ever seen. Like, no one cared about the game after a week. Um, <laughs> not even speaking to its quality, just that had no impact whatsoever. <laughs> and then uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl was like came out last week, and it's, it's a game that they've already a... released, so no one really cares. Again, yeah. it's done well. I've heard good things sometimes. So, yeah, so that's, that's what's going on in Game of the Year. Best narrative, Deathloop, It Takes Two, Life is Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Psychonauts 2. Any thoughts on those? Uh... Cool. Okay. Because <laughs> uh... <laughs> I've, I've so far not played a single game that's been nominated. It's like... It's like the category of linear games that have a bit less gameplay. Like, that's that's how this sort of plays. Like, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, like, did it have a better story than some of the other Game of the Year games? Like, no, but it was a story-based game. Like, same thing with Life is Strange. Like, it's, it's a story-based game. I don't no, know. I, I want to point out when you say that, it's linear AAA games. Because... <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 game awards has done that lovely thing that the oscars did when they created the uh best animated film category of okay good <laughs> now we never have to nominate you for best picture films yeah pixar yeah Pix like, specifically oh god did beauty and the beast almost win a best picture nod no absolutely not that's not real movies give them their own category shove them in the corner yeah, that was their modus operandi for foreign films for the last, you know, 80 years until last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see, Art Direction, Deathloop, Kena, Bridge of Spirits, Psychonauts, Ratchet Clank, Artful Escape. I still haven't played a single one of these games. How about you? Uh, just Psychonauts 2 still. And cool. I wouldn't say that's, it's a very creative game. I wouldn't say it was like, Beautiful? I don't know. Like, yeah, what, what are we going for with art direction? Like, Kina Bridge of Spirits is, like, one of those, like, paintings you see in, like, 90-year-old women's houses of, like, the cottage, and it's all dreamy and shit. Like, that's that's the equivalent of that. Like, a bit, like, sort of brainless and, like, it, sort of... So Kina fair, Bridge of Spirits is, like, the Thomas Kincaid of video games? Thomas Kincaid, that's the man I was... Yes, exactly. Like, that's... That's my impression of it. Like, Artful Escape, I actually played at E3, like, fucking five years ago now, whenever the fuck I went. Mm -hmm. um, that's, like, a, a genuinely beautiful game. Like, it, it does, like, some really interesting creative things. Um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, like, I, it is, like, technically impressive, but it's, it's sort of, like, the same thing. It's just, like, oh, look at all of these um, particle effects. Like, how... How artistic, how beautiful. Right, because it's not so, really like, I feel like art direction is one of those things that actually has you have to look at and say like, wow, the style of this, the, the artistic vision that went into this. Like yeah, you want to yeah. look at it and say, oh my God, I'd love to see the concept art book and not, yeah. oh my God, the graphics on that are really good. Yeah, and I, I think to that point, I think Deathloop's almost a sure thing for this category because, mm -hmm. like, when you look at it, you're like, oh, how fucking stylish is this game? Like, I want to play this game 
because like m- m- personally more because it's stylish than I'm interested in the gameplay loop. I I was one of those the fucking death loop haters from the get go. I was like, this is gonna be like a fucking six out of ten game. This concept never gonna work, and it comes out like day one. Everyone's like, game of the year, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. It's I've Put definitely been mouth. hearing more people talking about that more than any of the other games because yeah, yeah. Akina, Artful Escape, even Psychonauts two. I feel like kind of came and went. And Deathloop is one that I've heard. I straight con- forgot about Kina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, score and music. You've got Cyberpunk, Deathloop, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, The Artful Escape, and Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see Cyberpunk on here. <laughs> <laughs> God, if you had told someone a year and a half ago, hey, Cyberpunk is going to get get released and it's going to get a best score nod and best action best uh rpg but not game of the year direction narrative any of the big five do you think uh you think you would have believed yourself hearing that from the future no no i would not (laughs) want to live to be in that future but alas here we are (laughs) it's also weird that this is one of the holdovers from last year because this actually came out too late to be counted previously so they've had like a full year to get good and it wasn't enough to even get a a nod in any serious categories i wonder how many people saw these nominations come out and said oh shit cyberpunk remember cyberpunk because that was my immediate reaction was like oh my god i'd completely forgotten this game happened yeah yeah another one that just left the news cycle and left the discourse of games well, it's because it's gotten no positive. Like every time it does come up, it's like Cyberpunk's still pretty shitty, unless you have, you know, a three ninety Ti. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the post mortem on that. Like in five years' time, when we get just like the full wrap up of the life and death of Cyberpunk. Yeah, there will be a full Schreier book on it. <laughs> like <laughs> how did how did it come to this, and why the games industry has changed for the better and or worse. Alright, moving on to audio design, Deathloop again, Ratchet and Clank again, Resident Evil Village again, Returnal again, and Forza Horizon 5, the first game in this list I've played. Ooh, yeah. Mm. I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if audio design is like audio mixing, um, Forza stands a chance. Um, yeah. I can see Rift Apart uh, sort of lends itself to this category quite a bit, just with the whole, you know, jumping through time and space and different biomes it must i haven't played it but it must have some really interesting audio design when jumping around like that i would really hope um, so like it, it lends itself to so i'd really hope that it does yeah and, and then you have the two spoopy games here because audio design and spoopy games go hand in hand this other spoopy game being um death loop right Re- no i'd say returnal returnal i mean i haven't played it also but um <laughs> it, it, it it's like spooky right it looks spooky yeah, I mean, I wonder if that's just that thing where, like, I feel like Sony games generally just have less light in them than other games. <laughs> like, I just, I see promo shots for Sony games, and other than Spider-Man, it looks like everyone turned the gamma way down on their game. Yeah, maybe that was it. Um, and maybe it was that's the whole concept of, like, dying over and over again. Who knows? Anyway. I'm going to jump ahead. I, to, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to start making spicy takes but that can wait go ahead okay uh, i'm gonna jump around here a little bit just to, to find some games that maybe we've played a little bit of so we actually may mm-hmm. have the ability to to give opinions i'm gonna jump to best indie game 
got 12 minutes by Annapurna, <laughs> Death's Door, Kana again, Inscription, which we haven't talked about yet, and Loop Hero. Now, I've played two of those. How about you? Two of them as well, and uh, 12, 12 minutes in Loop Hero. Okay, I've played Inscription and Loop Hero. Um, okay. I-, I would be fine with Loop Hero taking that category. I'd be very comfortable with that, and I'd, I'd feel good about that happening. Yeah, I think this category pretty easily goes to either Loop Hero or Inscription, based on the buzz I've heard from that game. Yeah, um, and I think just because of the more recency of Inscription, I think that's that stands a better shot. Yeah, uh, yeah, recency bias is a serious thing with these these awards. Yeah. <laughs> Loop Hero came out like February. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like I've I've gone back and jumped back into Loop Hero several times since then, and it's still great. I'm still having that's, a blast. That's one of the smartest games I've ever played. Like that's a game that deserves a game, best game direction nod because it's just like every time you discover something, you you feel smart, and then you're like, well, if I smell, feel smart, like whoever designed this must be a fucking super genius. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never had so many more instances of, like, I feel so clever, but also I'm so stupid. How did it take me so long to figure out this this <laughs> very obvious combination of two things? Like, yeah. like, like I just I every time I felt very clever discovering something, it was because I underestimated how clever the game was. Yeah. Yeah. It's like synergy the game. They should make this part of, like, executive training for fucking conglomerates. <laughs> I uh, will jump down to best action game. Did you play uh, Back for Blood or Chivalry 2 or Far Cry 6? I played Back for Blood and that is it in this category. Yes. Um, do, you think, do you think it has any shot of being the best action game this year? Uh, well, <laughs> my spicy take of this is that Deathloop is going to fucking Lord of the Rings this entire thing. So no, <laughs> not in this category. It does not. Um, it's kind of weird that there's a best action category and then a back best action adventure game. Why is there not just like a best shooter and then a best action game? I don't, I don't, I, I don't understand, but yeah. And in, in this category, I mean, I, <laughs> it would still be up against death loop, but I, I think it gets smoked by death loop and maybe even returnal. I don't think far cry six is getting any buzz for a game of the year. So it's no. more of a. It's more of a, hey, there was a Far Cry game this year, and we've got a spare slot in our best action game category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because again, only, only like nine games came out this year, so there's nothing else that counts as an action <laughs> game that could have gone in there. Uh, I did, And we haven't played anything in action-adventure games, role-playing game. You may, you played Scarlet Nexus, you're what? talking about I, Tales I, of Arise. I played two of those games. And you played Cyberpunk at some point, to some extent, didn't you? No, I played two of them in the previous category. You're like, we haven't played any of these. I'm like, wait, what about Metroid Dread and Psychonauts? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> true. Okay, do either of those, do you think, I mean, I think that's, that seems like it's it's tailor-made for Metroid Dread there. Probably. Uh, Resident Evil seems like a weird choice amongst this company, because this is like what, this is what I would call the Uncharted category. And so I'm always like, what's, what's, closest, what's closest to Uncharted? And it's probably Guardians of the Galaxy in that regard, but I think Metroid Dread is the best game out of this list. Yeah, you know what? You, you're probably right, because like looking back, and I think Resident Evil 2 got a lot of nods for its, you know, for action-adventure type stuff, but it didn't win anything back in 2019. Yeah. So I, I don't see it doing any better this time around, because I know 2 got way more buzz than Village did. Yeah. Two is such a weird thing because everyone loved that game. Everyone mm-hmm. that touched it loved that game. But then it, it like 
apparently when award season came around and again like recency bias it was like uh was it was it as good as i remember like it was just resident evil 2 but new like uh, so i think resident evil village maybe didn't do enough different from like seven to maybe warrant a lot of these awards but i guess we'll see so what about what about rpgs Oh, this is this is my country now. Let's yeah, go, boys. I think you've played almost all of these games, haven't you? <laughs> I have. I it, the ones I, I probably won't end up playing Monster Hunter Rise, and I really, really want to play Shimigami Tensei. But the other three I have played, and Tales of Arise, uh, we'll be talking about later in this episode. So, spoiler alert: it's my game of the year right now. Um, oh shit! <laughs> so, I think that game should take this category although shimigami tensei has the recency bias it literally just came out like two weeks ago and everyone loves it so there's a good chance that 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 goes that way i've played none of them so i can only go based on what i assume the games are like and what you've told me and <laughs> i think tales of arise sounds pretty great so i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you there you know, special shout out while we're at it to Bandai Namco. They're having a fucking crackerjack year. Like, they released uh, Scarlet Nexus, which was a very good game. Tales of Arise, which, as I just said, like, fucking incredible. Um, they had Code Vein last year. It's a fucking great game. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see what else they're pumping out in the future. Yeah, the, the Bandai Namco and, um, and Capcom have been really turning it around the last couple of years. Like Capcom's yeah. got eight nominations this year. Bandai Namco's got three. Think what this is what blows my mind. If if you think about this again, going back in time a couple of years, if I told you that this year Activision, Epic, Bandai would all be beaten out in number of nominations by Sega, Devolver, and Annapurna, <laughs> like. I, I, what a I, wild year! What a wild year this has been for games. Again, you wouldn't know it looking at the the top rated games, but it's been a wild year for games game releases this year. Yeah, it really has, and it it shows you that like small teams are probably thriving a little bit more in the current work from home climate than these huge teams are. So it's just not only less AAA games, but like they're not all of incredibly high quality. Like, I was already talking shit about Far Cry 6, and it really doesn't sound like that game does anything special. It's just a copy-and-paste situation from 5 and fucking the other one. That's what I've heard, just so, more of the yeah. same. Uh, did you play anything yeah. on the fighting games list? I only played Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, and the less said about it, the better. I don't even know what these games are. This is a fake category. Melty you, Blood you, Type you, Lumina you? by French Bread? Like, I, I feel like <laughs> some of these games... What did you just say? <laughs> I feel like some some of these games that get translated over from Japanese, like they just go through like a like a Mad Libs word generator, like that incredibly long near title. Like, why is it that many numbers? Does I, it need to I'm be? I'm literally checking the edits right now to see if you put this on here as a joke. <laughs> Are you not familiar, well, familiar with the, the generator or the game developer French Bread? <laughs> this is real. <laughs> uh, it's it's it, super real. They've what apparently made like. A dozen Melty Blood games. What? A dozen? What in God's name is Melty Blood? It's Melty Blood. A visual oh novel God. fighting game. You are not kidding. All the way back to 2002. Jesus. Well, you know what? Maybe I need to figure... Like, if it's been around this much... Well, there was a 10-year break, it looks like. This is the first game in 10 years. 
You said you played a couple of these? Or no, I just played Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, and it was just incredibly underwhelming for me. But I'm also, it's like, <laughs> I played it, and then after five minutes, I was like, oh, this game isn't for me. This game wasn't made for me at all. I thought I'd have fun, because, like, it seemed like a children's game. But, yeah. Uh, no, not in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the best family game category is pretty much right down your alley. It is. I've played three of the five. I own It Takes Two, and I still haven't played it. Uh, ah. it, it's one of those ones that I feel like I just need to like get in the right mood and mindset for, and I've heard that it can get deep at times or a little like heavy. Yeah. So, um, I you know got to yeah, do that. Subject matter's not light. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but I've played Mario Party, Snap, and Bowser's Fury. I think Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury are great. Like, because when I think of a family game, I think of a game that can be enjoyed by a group of people and not just like mm. a game for kids. Cause like, I think, I think family game gets used as shorthand for kids game a lot. And, and yes. I think like in my mind, family game should also be like a game that you could play with your kids or a bunch of kids could play together. So like Mario party, I think yeah. fits in that snap does not, uh, it takes two does not sound like a game. I want to play with my five-year-old or even my 10 year old feels like it's a game that like, <laughs> I want to play with my estranged wife. <laughs> and, um, but whereas Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury is, a is I feel like, a game that really works, at least from my experience, playing with a younger kid or with two people. I don't know about WarioWare. I've loved previous WarioWare entries, but I've just not played that one yet. In a year where there's, like, a Super Mario Odyssey or Super Mario Galaxy or something like that, do you think it fits in this category? Uh, I don't, like, the only thing that I think differentiates, god, man, I'm pronouncing things weird right now, differentiates, <laughs> the only thing that differentiates, like, a Mario uh, platform, you know, action platformer from any other action platformer is that it, it doesn't have blood. You jump on things or spin and hit them. Like, yeah, but it's, it, like, the gameplay is as complex or as difficult as many other action platformers that don't that have blood in them as well. So oh, yeah. like, yeah, it's, it gives devil may cry a run for its money. Yeah. Especially once you start going like looking for all the moons and odyssey, like that's a very difficult game. I, I would say that, you know, a kid, even hell, even Mario 3d world uh, is very difficult to get some of the, the, to the, through some of the higher levels. Like I had to go look at walkthroughs online to figure out like, how the fuck am I supposed to get past this area? Cause my knowledge of how yeah. Mario mechanics works does not fit. So, like, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like family game, basically just saying games that are rated E for E for everyone, it's not, like, that doesn't help me decide anything. Versus <laughs> if it's a game that can be played by all members of the family in the way that, you know, something like Pokemon Snap can. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think the Mario games, it, it's very easy to throw them in there, just in the same way it'd be very easy to throw any Pokemon game or Kirby in there, but they're not, yeah. they're, they're just cute. They're not necessarily family friendly Ra racing games. I've played two of those. Have you played more than two of those? Uh, I I've played three of these. Yeah. Oh really? F1 FIFA and Forza horizon five and horizon five is hands down the best out of that lot. hundred percent. I actually was trying to figure out how FIFA was a racing game because I forgot the category was sports slash racing. 
I noticed you just said best racing game. I, I was like, okay, yeah. FIFA I'm, I'm looking good. at it. Like, obviously, FIFA's gonna gonna be nominated because I think it gets nominated every Zoom year. It across the pitch. Yeah, it's consistently good in that it's soccer. Like, soccer is beautiful in its simplicity and its elegance, right? Mm. So it's like, if you don't fuck it up too bad, it's going to be a pretty good game, I think. I played, like, a retro soccer game on the cell phone the other day, and I was like, this is a pretty good game. (laughs) (laughs) Sim strategy game, I've played three of those, actually. Evil Genius, Inscription, and Flight Simulator. Have you played any of those? None of these. What's what's your take here? I am just excited to see Evil Genius even mentioned. And granted, I know that it's because <laughs> the state of sim and strategy games is basically nothing. Especially yeah. if you don't bother delving into the indie scene very much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just happy to see that's in there. And... Yeah, the uh, the exposure is gonna do wonders for that game. Like people are gonna see it like on on TV or stream. Like a million people are gonna see this like a quick demo reel of this game. And be like, wow, this is actually super fucking interesting. Like I've been wanting to play a game like this because that's how I felt when you talked about it on the show. Mm. Like I've I've always wanted to play a game like this. Um, still haven't played it, obviously, <laughs> but it's it's still like it's incredibly appealing. And like maybe just watching it live demoed or like you know sizzle reeled will push me over the edge and will do the same for a lot of people. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one for a lot of people because, like, and I'd be interested to see someone do a, a map-up of this, of how many of these games are, are are available right now on Game Pass. Because yeah. Evil Genius 2 is one of those. It is either available right now or about to be. I can't remember where, where the line is, but it's coming yeah. right out. So, like, that's something that people can watch this and immediately just shift right into Game Pass to play. And I think that that will do wonders. Even yeah, even if it doesn't get uh, a huge amount, even if it doesn't win the award, even if Age of Empires Four doesn't win the award, or Microsoft plays like sixty percent of that category is available now on Game Pass. Uh, that would be the best marketing money they ever spent in their entire life. If like after every category, and these games are on Game Pass, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, Microsoft just dunking. Right? Yeah. Like if they if they did that for every after every category that had a couple of those games, just run an ad with that same sizzle reel and just available yeah. now on Game Pass, which I'm sure their their Twitter account will do. Their tw- their uh, games for Game Pass account is pretty smart. Uh, yeah. I think th- I think that one will go to Inscription as well. I think that and Best Indie Game both have a good shot of Inscription winning, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, multiplayer, any thoughts on, on that? Back for Blood, Knockout City, a game that I think lasted a weekend? Yeah, this category is dog shit. I don't <laughs> understand. Like it, like, it takes two as a narrative game, but it's also a multiplayer game. It's... I. I think it does a disservice being in this category because it's not what we think of as a multiplayer game. It's very much a co-op game, right? Um, yeah, I, th- I think that this... It's it's that one of these things is not like the others kind of thing. It Takes Two is not right. an ongoing multiplayer game, which I think is what they're, they're kind of trying to do. Yeah, and none of these games are like the others. Like, none of these are true blue like multiplayer games the way i think of them like they're all like they're all co-op they're every single one of them uh, no knockout, like, none of them knockout city PvP. knockout city is the only one that is pvp okay yeah because it's basically just like you know it's set up like a rocket league or any one of those but with dodgeball yeah yeah in new world and valheim they're like shared world right like i don't even know 
I know New World has dungeons, but like you don't need to play with anyone. It's no hardly a multiplayer game. No, the, the... as much of a multiplayer game as like Final Fantasy IX was when it allowed <laughs> you to like have other people control other characters. Like what? I mean, hell, Power Washer Simulator now allows online co-op. So like, I expect that in next year's nominees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why the fuck not at this point? Uh, let's see. A debut game. I don't think there's anything here that we haven't already said about these games. Is there? Sable or Forgotten City? Anything about those that you want to say? No, no. Forgotten City looked pretty interesting. Okay. And then uh, most anticipated <laughs> game award here. So we've got Elden Ring, God of War sequel, Halo Infinite, Horizon. Actually, no, I'm sorry. This is last year's list. Um, so we got Elden <laughs> Ring, God of War, Horizon Forbidden West, <laughs> Zelda Breath it. of Wild sequel, and Starfield, a game which is never going to happen. Oh, uh, I, all right, you already, you already sorted that category out. This is, I, every year they're just going to put the same games on until they fucking come out, apparently, because this is the steepest fucking category that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and guaranteed Zelda's going to win two years in a row, right? Oh no, Elden Ring won last year. Elden Ring won? Well, Elden Ring will win again, then. <laughs> it's Best Ongoing Anticipated Game 2020 to 2022, presented by Mountain Dew. I'm loving, loving that they're still talking about Starfield. Um, <laughs> like, hey, they assured us that it would come out in the next two years. They're still saying November 11th, 2022. I, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> who delays their game a year out? It'll, it'll get six months out and I'll be like, yeah, I don't know what we thought when we printed that on paper, but it was very wrong. Oh, uh, COVID. What? Oh man, I don't want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was COVID when we announced the, the date, but still, it was, nobody knew COVID was going to stay around anywhere. <laughs> like we, we just had so much Fallout 76 content to work through. <laughs> and we, we outsourced a, a remaster of Wet to come back, but that didn't work out because, you know, it still wasn't a fun game. No one still wanted to play it, but. I played Wet. Oh, I did, I did too. Eliza Dushku was great in that game. She was good. She slid around on her knees everywhere, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I still can't believe there was going to be a sequel to that. I still can't believe it didn't come out. Yeah, I know, right? What are we, we could have been living in a better world. <laughs> the, the utopia that we all deserve. <laughs> the wet-topia. Do you want to touch on at all the whole Activision Blizzard thing and um, Jeff's response to it? Response, not response. <laughs> I, they won't, what did he say? Like, they won't take an active part in the show, but we'll, we'll, we're still more than happy to... We're still more than happy to give them awards and free publicity. Yeah. <laughs> good clowns um yeah th that was one of the lamest things i think jeff's ever done honestly like like i i generally respect him mm. um obviously sometimes he sometimes he does some dumb shit and he needs to stop giving hand jobs to hideo kojima yeah in well because it's it's gross someone needs to it. do it and he's been willing to take the uh take it on the chin every year but i yeah activision doesn't deserve accolades of any any form i mean the flip side is obviously like you know the executives didn't make these games people made these games but also like I, it, it's it's stuff like this that goes a long way in stopping that and ousting a ceo that's been complicit in literal crimes <laughs> um 
<laughs> yeah. Like, it's it, it's small things like this that build up to, you know, getting, like, actual change happening. Not just, you know, they did wrong, so we're not going to actually have their faces on this show. Like, that doesn't do anything. Like, Yeah, it felt yeah, pretty know. lame. Um, when was it just, was it... 2019 what was the year that they were going to feature a bunch of interesting like fan-made games or mods and then a bunch of them had to be pulled because they because nintendo didn't want them on there do you remember this this happening a couple years ago um i i don't remember are you talking about like the project n stuff because i think that was going to be nominated for best esport or something it was the Maybe, Smash Brothers Melee. Mod. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that might be what I'm thinking of. And then, the, then Nintendo was like, "No, don't do it." And then they were like, "Oh, okay, fine." And they pulled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So it just—it's amusing to me to see how quickly they're willing to pull that nomination, but because Nintendo said no, thank you, um, but not willing to pull any kind of recognition from a company that committed literal crimes and helped cover. <laughs> an immense amount of, of of psychological and sexual abuse yeah, yeah so like i mean i guess it just goes to show um <laughs> how pick and choose your battle how important nintendo is and the sway that they have because uh you know clearly game awards will not budge but nintendo was able to figure out how to make them yeah, yeah. <laughs> pillars of the community <laughs> we love you jeff please come on our show <laughs> come hang out come, come hang. have a stogie with us give, give us your spiciest takes <laughs> Hideo Kojima's penis is 14 meters long <laughs> okay okay Jeff no 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 no, 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 no. let him talk let him talk I need to hear more about <laughs> this <laughs> talking length width no anyway did you know that he um, was all right. in Muppets Haunted Mansion Jeff Keighley or yes Jeff Keighley what? He has a cameo in Muppets Haunted Mansion. What? Why? Of all... <laughs> Jeff? At, what? As Uncle Theodore. Uh, so... Yeah, you know. <laughs> he definitely has an uncle vibe for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Some gamer was like, I, I know just the guy. <laughs> what the fuck? That's so weird. What, what, what even is that? That's, that wasn't like a major motion picture release, right? Was it? Was it just like a TV movie I think I think that might have been a, a Disney Plus release. Ah. That, um, but he was announced at the same time as them announcing Darren Chris was also going to be in it. So. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, the budget knows no limits. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other uh, topics you wanted to cover with the the nominees? No, I just think it's important that everyone knows that Jeff Keeley was in Haunted uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion. I'm glad. <laughs> I think that's where we need to end it. There you, there you I mean, there's there's no other podcast talking about that. The real news. <laughs> the real news. I, um, I will watch right, that and give some spicy takes next time. <laughs> oh, please, please do. That's actually good content. <laughs> All right, let's talk about unpacking now in our showcase of the week. I realized, too, midway through talking about that, I never actually introduced either of us, other oh, than yeah. saying, all right, go for it, Andy. <laughs> um, I, I'm Brent Arcadia. This is... Oh, I'm Andy. Uh, I'm the one who went for it. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, so we're going to talk about games now, like we always do mm. on this podcast. Unpacking. Take it away. <laughs> uh, so, unpacking is a game about 
putting things in their place. It's an indie game by a company that I don't have up in front of me, which is really unprofessional. And you'd think that I would have taken like just two seconds and had this up in front of me, but I didn't. And I'm trying to very quickly look it up. But on Wikipedia, it went to something about historical linguistics and language contact. So, it's by which being. Thank you so much, because I was just going to vamp here until I had a panic attack. <laughs> So thank you. Uh, Unpacking is a game by Witchbeam, uh, who are a company, a, a team I want to say out of Australia. I feel like I may know that to be true, but I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, they also made Android Assault Cactus about like a decade ago, if you remember that game. Maybe you don't. It's fine. Uh, yeah, you know, I was just scrolling through my library today and saw that. And I was like, I forgot about that. I did not realize that was the same company. Yeah. Crazy twin stick shooter, really good. Not talking about that right now. We're talking about unpacking. It is a game about putting things in their place and putting things away and unpacking things from boxes after moving to a new apartment or new living scenario. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a puzzle game. It's a very relaxing game. It is a very well paced kind of pseudo narrative game. I first saw this. I saw. It gifts of this on Twitter, which is now just now my favorite way to find out about new games, is actual devs just posting gifts of their games on Twitter. Because that's also how I found mm -hmm. out about um, my friend Pedro, just seeing really cool gifts. And like, and I feel like that sells me on a game way better than any well-produced trailer does. Oh, yeah. Because it looks really cool. And this is, uh, the visual style is isometric, it's pixel graphics, it's set in the 90s, so it's got, or at least part of it is, so it's a very 90s vibe, and you are just in an apartment or in a college dorm or in some living environment and you've got a bunch of boxes of things that need to unpack. You click on a box, it pulls out an item, and then you place it on a shelf or in a drawer or underneath a pillow or underneath a bed or on top of a bookshelf where no one can see it or in a cabinet. I mean, you know where you can put things in a house. I don't need to list all them off to you. <laughs> are the are the boxes um, sort of like Tetris packed or is it just like one item at a time? Just one item at a time. Uh, each box has some number okay. of items. Usually, most of the items are related to the room that you are currently in with that box, but sometimes, you know, like when you move, a couple of forks end up in the box with the rest of the video games. It just happens. It happens to all of us. Oh, yeah. So, you know, things have to get moved around. And it is incredibly <laughs> satisfying to slowly pull things out of boxes and arrange them on shelves and in cabinets and in bookcases. And then when you finally start like piecing together, like, oh, oh, they have a bunch of these. I could stack all those together and put those over there. It mm. feels so nice. The sound design. An example? Oh, I'm sorry, what? An example of that? Oh, like one of the things that um, I realized while playing the game was that these things that I was pulling out were actually postcards that could be put on a bulletin board. And so like I'd been trying to like find places on the desk to put them. And then I was like, oh shit, that's a bulletin oh. board in there. I can put everything up there. Oh my God, it looks so nice. Or um, <laughs> there's another spot where I didn't notice a drawer in the closet. And that drawer was perfect for putting a bunch of bras in. And they all just kind of like line up nicely. And the, everything is all nice and folded and neat. It's really Sounds great. Sounds very satisfying. It's incredibly satisfying. And because things <laughs> aren't really organized in the boxes, as you're pulling them out, you're kind of... You're setting up a desk and you're like, oh shit, no, this is, um, this is 1995. They're going to have a CRT monitor and not a flat panel. So I need to rearrange this desk to make space for this. And oh shit, it's 1995. They're going to have a tower. So I need to find place underneath the desk to put the tower. And they're going to have, a, you know, then you have to put the mouse and the mouse pad and the keyboard. And one of the other things, and this is, you know, a little bit of a spoiler for anyone playing, but you can put things underneath the pillow on your bed. 
So, like, you can take your diary and hide it underneath the pillow on your bed, and I just thought that was adorable. Oh, that's, that's funny. Really cute. That's that's the whole of the game, is you're going through the life of this person, and every time they're, they they make a move, you are, you know, so they're moving uh, you know into their new bedroom, they're moving off to college, and further on down this kind of meta, or the pseudo-narrative, you are unpacking their things. And... The, the manner of unpacking their things kind of gives you this, these little story beats of uh, real, you know, kind of learning about this person and seeing the items that they're taking with them from place to place. Or, you know, I'm, I guess this is going to be a, a little spoilery, not really, but at one point you move in with a significant other, I'm going to assume a boyfriend. I do, it's not, I don't think it specifies, but you move in with a boyfriend and there's just kind of this as you're unpacking you're seeing how little space that person gave you to put your things because you're unpacking yourself into an apartment that this person already lives in. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to find places to put your things that will work among your boyfriend's things. And there's this kind of, yeah. you know, it's it's not a really a narrative, but as you have all of these possessions that you realize are just going to have to go into a closet or in a drawer because there's no place for you to showcase your actual artwork and your actual posters and photographs because he's not actually giving you any space to do so. Uh, so it's little bits of storytelling like that that are really interesting that I I, yeah. I really liked uh, and I thought was a, a, a very clever way of telling you about this person, where they are in their life and the relationship they have with the people that they're living with by just how they allow you to spread out and put your things and what their things look yeah, like compared to yours. Stuff. Yeah, just stuff. What you know? What is? How is their uh, their place already laid out? How messy is it? How disorganized is it? And how do you have to work around that? Interesting. And now there's there's no like character models or uh, dialogue or anything in this game, correct? Correct. You get uh, you unpack, and once everything is unpacked and in its proper place, you get kind of a little snapshot, like like the person took a photograph of their room when they moved into their new place and then a one line caption like they're putting it into a photo album so just like a finally moved in in my you know my first day at college or something like that very simple just to kind of semi-contextualize it but you kind of get all of it anyways yeah it was it was actually an interesting one to play when i played through it partially with some people in the room with me we're all kind of we i had it on on a large screen tv um, and we were just kind of playing it on there and it was amusing talking with them and arguing or brainstorming where things could go because once you've unpacked everything and you've placed it, then the game lets you know if you've got things in a place where they don't make sense. So you can't just put books in the kitchen because that's not where books go, but you do have freedom generally <laughs> where to put things. And so one of the things that I thought was really amusing was as we were unpacking things, whether or not the game was going to allow you to keep feminine pads on the back of the toilet. <laughs> and there was this like, like yeah. 10 minutes as we're doing things like, is the game going to say that's wrong? They better not say that's wrong because women do that all the time. And people are there, like, no, I, I always keep mine back there. There's, they better not say that's wrong. And, and there was this kind of this cheer that went out in the room when the level <laughs> ended and it, that was registered as a valid place to put feminine pads. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. So there was little things like that of trying to decide where things go, um, especially in the kitchen, like arranging drawers and arranging cabinets, thinking, yeah. I would not put that up there. That's going to be impossible to get down. 
I guess they're never going to make paninis because you can't put your paninis on top of your cabinets. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, were the spaces like really cramped? Like, did you feel like you had to use all of the space or was it just like, you know, a blank canvas? I was like, oh, go nuts. Create your perfect room. It's kind of a, a mix depending on what level you're at, what what place you're moving into, um, how much space you have and what you can re- what you can rearrange and move around. Uh, and so in some of them where, like, you're moving off to college, it is pretty cramped. But that's kind of what moving into college is like. You know, it, it, the dorm room is pretty cramped. You have a, uh, a small amount of space that you can call your own and do whatever the heck you want with. So that that was great. Uh, the sound design is just about perfect. It's extremely minimal. But placing things, everything has a very satisfying little noise when you place it, when you rotate it. And when you empty out a box... It, makes this kind of like suctiony pop noise as it folds as like the box basically folds itself flat and then disappears and it's incredibly satisfying (laughs) every time it happens yes it's like a little reward that you put away five items (laughs) so uh, that's that's it's perfect in in that regard really there's not much i would change about it other than i wish there was more I understand that they have a narrative that they oh, were okay. telling and a certain level, but this is a game where I could I could envision it as just an endless string of, okay, unpack this room. Now this person. Now mm. I, I want to play this in different time periods and different parts of the world and different how, like, I just want to play more of this unpacking puzzle. Yeah, it's interesting. So how long did it take you to complete it? It's a couple of hours. It's not a very long game. Oh. Um, you know, it's it's maybe four hours if you're really taking your time and trying to do your best with it that sounds like a nice bite-sized uh game it also it, fr- from the impressions i got it was very much like how um valhalla uh the bartender game mm-hmm. sort of presents itself like you boot it up and it's like this game is chill like no combat like grab a coffee or a beer or whatever and just relax and play the game and it's like all right that's an interesting way to present yourself but it's, it's important with games like that to get yourself in the right mindset for something like that. Yeah, it, it's in, incredibly relaxing. There, It's incredibly, like, there are no time limits. Take as long as you want, walk away, look around at stuff. You know, it, it it's a very meditative game. Meditative game. Man, I cannot speak today. It's a very meditative game of putting things away. And I, I, I we played it in the evening. Very relaxing. I'm... I'm yeah. sure this is one that is going to win a lot of awards. Apparently not game award awards. Not game awards. But I think of the smaller ones, of the smaller awards and you know magazines, I think this is going to get a lot of, or continue to get a lot of press because it is just such a unique, it's, it's such a unique thing to do. Like, I would not have expected that I would spend time arranging pixelated books on a shelf. So that so that they looked nice and that they were all like all the tall books were next to each other and the small books were next to each other and the notepads were all next to the other notebooks. Like that's not something I would have expected myself to have spent time doing, but I did. <laughs> I spent a great time amount of time doing it. Uh, th- there was a, a tweet. Whatever joy you can find. In life. Oh yeah, and that's what it, it, it is a joy to be able to rearrange things that quickly. What else has been interesting has been following the developer and seeing their reactions to people. Uh, and people asking questions and how they arrange things and like the arguments and discussions that this game has spurned over where certain things go in a house. And one that I absolutely loved was 
the developer make a comment of how many young people must be playing this game because how many of them didn't recognize a Dreamcast or not a GameCube and thought it was a kitchen appliance. <laughs> and we're trying to put oh and like God. we're tweeting why isn't like why isn't this rice cooker <laughs> registering itself as okay in the kitchen? It's like no, that is a that is a not GameCube, but like it's a GameCube but legally distinct. The game box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would re- I would recommend this game. I think if you're looking for a, a little puzzle game to relax in the evening with, something to listen to a podcast and play, or just listen to some chill music, could not recommend this enough. Really, nothing I would change. Mm. Yeah, nice. I will I will add one anecdote because I've played a couple levels of it. Oh. And it was similar to what what you were talking about. Um, one this is probably going to continue to be like my favorite maybe only memory of the game is i couldn't figure out what the fuck to do with the diary on like the second level Mm -hmm. and i was playing um with my girlfriend right next to me and she wasn't really paying much attention she was doing something else and she looks up and she's like what are you doing i'm like where does this like the book doesn't go on the bookshelves and he's like well clearly you've never you were never a a young girl because that needs to go in a private place i'm like (laughs) oh so i put it in like the the drawer right next to the desk and it was like yeah perfect thanks <laughs> i was like oh how silly of me <laughs> that was my exact experience as well and i ended up putting it under the pillow <laughs> but that was like why can't i just put this on the desk it's clearly a notebook they're gonna use it yeah clearly we were neither neither of us were teenage women so no not that i not that i have any memory of It'll come back to you. Do you want to you want to tell us about your game uh, that I've already forgotten what it was going to be? Ooh, I get to pick a new game. Yeah. No, uh, Tales of Arise. Tales Arise. Of Arise. That's right. Tales Tales of Arise is the umpteenth entry in the Tales series. Um, none of them share a narrative or a world. They're all just tales of games, and they're all it's a lot like Final Fantasy. It's Final Fantasy Nine has nothing to do with Final Fantasy Eight, etc., etc., etc. Tales of Arise is, like, probably the most mature version of the games. It, it sort of masqueraded itself as almost like a, um, almost Souls-esque in, in the marketing. Like, they went went into, like, big armor bros. Like, they didn't really reveal too much of the story. And then when you start playing the game, you're like, oh, this is, this is very much a Tales of game. Like, it's, like, <laughs> anime characters, anime storyline. It's just, like, a little bit, like, grittier, a little bit, um more intrigue than a normal tales of game which are very colorful games all of them and this one is no exception it's just it's just grittier and tells like a little bit more dark of a story and doesn't have like you know oh we're on an adventure to kill god or whatever (laughs) okay so pretty standard anime stuff then yeah 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 so so yeah, the the story plays out. Um, you're basically hunting down these five lords. Like you, you live on one planet of these these twin planets that sort of, I guess, revolve around each other. And the people from the planet above have enslaved this entire planet. So you 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 start the game and you're a slave and you have this. You don't know what your identity is and like. Anime story, anime story, your identity is revealed over time, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's fundamentally an action RPG. Like, you're you're very much taking the reins of these characters and these this four-party, four-person party, 
Um, so you can pick whoever you want to play with. It would be foolish not to play as the main character on your first playthrough, I would say, just because, you know, it, it, I, he's overpowered. This happens a lot with, like, JRPGs. A lot of his abilities are just, like, you can't get, get away with not using them. Like, his, um, I don't know what you'd call it, his limit break, let's call it for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm will, like, always stun enemies, including bosses. It's like, I need to get this as soon as possible constantly, <laughs> so I'm always going to be getting this. But the core of the game, it's an action RPG. Um, you level up through what's called a title system. Um, basically, you unlock a title by doing some sort of thing in-game, which makes it really interesting to level up, because you never know what abilities you're going to get when you unlock them, but you'll... It'll tell you how to unlock the title. And it's always something like, you know, kill 100 boars, for example. And then it's like the title is like Boar Slayer. And now you can unlock four more abilities with, you know, accumulated points or whatever. Um, So I found that to be a bit refreshing. It wasn't like a simple grid where it's like, oh, I know the end goal here. Like, it's go up all the way up this branch because I want to dual wield fucking like sledgehammers or whatever the fuck. Um, it like slowly revealed itself. You never really knew what was a super powerful title or what to work towards first. Um, a lot of the titles were hidden, so you just had to be patient. Um, so yeah, the RPG-ness of it play all meshed really well. Um, the combat itself had, had some of the same pitfalls that I've mentioned with like a Final Fantasy VII remake where... It gets, like, so chaotic and fucking particle that you're just, I don't know what's going on in this fight. But nowhere near as bad as that. It's not absolute chaos. Um, some of the abilities you use will make it harder to dodge stuff. But, like, it's, it's in the realm of reasonable sort of hack-and-slashy RPG combat. Um, no, I've, I've never else? played a Tales game at all. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I know, I know, your your jaws drop now, but like, so what is the con- is is this a Dark Soulsy type combat game? Because you, you kind of dropped that at the beginning. What is the combat like here? Because you also talk about limit breaks, and so I'm a little 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 sure. confused. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm jumping all over. I didn't actually take notes today. So, what happens is um, similar to like, uh, I guess similar to Dragon Quest where eleven, where a circular arena basically just drops. Like, you just, oof, like, fucking reboot. This circular <laughs> arena is suddenly wherever you're standing, and you have to fight within the confines of that. And the combat is not turn-based at all. Like, you can... What you're trying to do is mesh, like, attacks with arts, and arts are, like, the skills and magic, essentially. Mm-hmm. So what you'll want to do is chain together a bunch of attacks, and then a bunch of arts, and then... What you can do is sort of, like, I'll stop using fucking jargon from the game, but what you want to do is basically break the enemy so you can either just insta-kill them or reduce their HP to zero. And then with a lot of enemies, it's way smarter and faster to just break them and then just one-shot them than it is to reduce their health all the way, and then others, it makes more sense to do it the other way. So you'll have abilities that allow you to do either or, like abilities where you'll slash the enemy like 15 times in a row or you'll have an ability that's just like one fucking long wind up dook that like depletes half their health bar in one hit if you can land it. Okay. Um but yeah, there's there's a a a 
robust magic system. There's weaknesses. There's like six elements. Um, there's long cast magic. There's you know traps. It's it's pretty interesting. But the arenas themselves are very small, so it's very intimate combat. And, and this is in an otherwise kind of open area. You're just kind of running around doing your shit, and then suddenly, incoming game, you're in an arena fighting stuff. Um, it's not random. You'll see the enemies on the the world map. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, and yeah, it is not random. not randomly like they just out of nowhere, but like it just is integrated within the general open world. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you'll you'll walk into an enemy, or an enemy will chase you down, and then arena drops, and you're fighting them. That's awesome. Okay, cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, you can avoid like most of the encounters in the game just running around them if you want to, and it's not really that hard of a game. So if you get if you really just want to run through the story, I mean, obviously there's an easy mode, but also you can just run around enemies if you want to. Just, like, basically kill, like, you know, one-tenth of the enemies in the game, get to the bosses. You know, you, just, you could do that very well. But that's not what you did, is it? That's not how you played it, no, is it? I, no, I got to level 100. I got all of the achievements in the game. I very, very much enjoyed this game. <laughs> You you basically 100% of this game. How long of a game are we talking? Is, is this like a Dragon Quest amount of uh, of commitment that you have to make to, to beat this game? No, I probably clocked in twice as much time in Dragon Quest. This was like uh, 75 hours to 100%. Hmm. So this, the story you could probably do in like... I, I also played it on hard, so that's, you know, shave off like a third of that if you play it on easier difficulty and like run through it fairly quick um and that's 100 percent too so like maybe half of that for if you play normal difficulty and just do the main story like 35 hours that's probably about right okay that's, that's, that seems reasonable when you say it that way yeah it's it's very much a jrpg but it's also not like a dragon quest star jrpg <laughs> like i don't know how else to dis- explain it if you know you know <laughs> <laughs> and the, and that well the thing is i don't and that's why like i'm curious because I've heard of these Tales games. I may even own one or two mm. of them, but I've never played one. And you saying this is potentially your game of the year, that has me interested in potentially playing it. You should play it. I will say that. I've gotten one other person to play it, maybe two. I've definitely hyped it up to a few people. Um, but the one other person I knew that did play it very much enjoyed it. So, And I wouldn't consider them a, a proper JRPG person. Hmm. So, Okay, because I, I am 100% take, take not a JRPG person. Yeah. So that that is. I would say I would say try it out. It's not on Game Pass. It's not not a free try before you. Buy oh, I have to pay for but, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Um, but I would say it's worth it. I I paid full price, no regrets. No regrets at all, huh? Wow. Okay. No, no regrets. It, I I will say there there was some uh there was some dredging at the very end of the game, but like that's because I did everything. So don't do that <laughs> unless you really want to. Okay. Noted. How much, how story driven is it? How much story are we talking about here? Is it a lot of story? Is this like a fire emblem amount of story? Is this like a, like a, like a Pokemon amount of story? Heavy, heavy story. There's, there's augmented story. And then there's the main story. And I would say the main story is a lot of story. Um, like I said, it's like very much like anime esque JRPG storytelling. So there's like a lot of a lot of melodrama that is well documented within the game. <laughs> um, there's also a skit system which allows you to 
the skit system is the best and worst part of the storytelling in the game. It's amazing because you get like these incredible little like uh, um, moments amongst your party. Some are discussing the story themselves and others are completely irreverent talking about like their their meals and stuff. And they play sort of like motion comics and a prompt will come up on the screen to hit a certain trigger or button and you can decide to watch them. Or not watch them at all, but they're always available later on as long as you meet the requirements for them from the campsite. There's an option called Reminisce. So even if you miss something, you can go back later and read it. Or if you're just not in like the the uh, narrative mindset like I get sometimes where it's just you just get burnt out on all the babbling. <laughs> it's like there's too much talking. I need to kill something. I, I never felt bad and I'd go back and like watch them later and be like, oh, I'm glad I enjoyed this and didn't just fucking A button through this just to, you know, complete the check mark in the menu or whatever the hell. Now, did they, uh, is, is the storytelling outside of those skits, is that, is it just general like told through cutscenes, like animated, fully animated cutscenes or is it, how is that told? Yeah, yeah, full, fully animated cutscenes. Um, some of those some of them are those motion comic styles and they are mandatory, but that's a small handful. Um, most of the storytelling is going to be full cinematics and the cinematics look great. They don't look like, you know, clunky MMO movies or something. They're like properly fully rendered. Um, they're well acted. I listened to the game in Japanese. Um, so I can't really speak to the English dubbing, but, um, all the voice acting was great for the game, and yeah, it, it really did itself a good service. Um, taking its time and making all these cutscenes a higher quality than in some games of this caliber I've seen before. It's interesting that you refer to the cutscenes as mandatory because that doesn't make me want to watch them. <laughs> um, I, maybe I misspoke. So none of them are mandatory. You can skip any cutscene <laughs> of the game. Um, but some of the motion comics pop up and they're just like extensions of the movie that you watched or a cutscene before. I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it, it lends itself to it a lot of times because otherwise it would just be people like standing in a circle. Like there's no reason for that to be a fully rendered cutscene, like sitting on, sitting on a, around a campfire hat, chat and shit. It's like, that doesn't need to be a cutscene, right? I'm intrigued. I mean, they're, they're. I'm intrigued by this because the last time you told me to play your game of the year, that was Control, and that was a really good game. <laughs> yeah, honestly, so like Yakuza Seven is was my my personal game of the year for last year. It has a lot of bad cutscenes in it, like cutscenes that don't need to be cutscenes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I. And some of them I would, like, speed read and sort of, like, A through a little bit. Just, like, read the dialogue, didn't watch the full cutscene. There's a little bit of that in Tales of Arise, but not quite to the same extent. I think the cutscenes were of a higher quality than in Yakuza 7, for example. Um, but you can do the same thing where you can, like, skip a little dialogue, move ahead a little further. It's not, like, a full, a full like, cinematic cutscene, I guess... Maybe I've misrepresented it a bit. So, like, is there will always be dialogue and, like, A buttons to skip along, and it will just, like, skip ahead, like, two seconds or something, but it's not, like, full, like, CGI, I guess. And I'm not saying that, like, I want to skip over the cutscene. I just want to know what I'm getting myself into, you know? <laughs> yes, it is it is important. Too. Okay. All right. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Overall, this sounds like a game that you would recommend. 
Am I am I, re- am I hearing that right? Please, please play this game. I, it's it's been pretty wa- well lauded. Honestly, it's not a game that's flown under the radar. I like I made that whole video on Yakuza Seven last year because I was like, people need to play this fucking game. <laughs> I love this game so fucking much. Tales of Arise has gotten a lot of respect this year, and it's it's been very good to see because uh, it's well deserved and. It's definitely the best RPG I've played this year. Um, whether it's the best game or not, there's still plenty of games left to talk about from this year, so we'll see. But I fucking loved this game. Absolutely loved it. And those, those 75 hours of gameplay melted away. Well, do you want to you wanna rank these? Rank our, our games here and yeah. see where Tales of Arise falls in your list? Yeah, number one. Number one? Number one. Ed Lupiro. Where where would you put unpacking? You know, I think I'm going to put unpacking as my number one this year currently as well because wow. it, it it is the one that is without flaw. I really have nothing bad to say about it, and also because you have Loop Hero. <laughs> there you go. Because Loop Hero, I think, yeah. remains probably my favorite game just as an overall like look at what we can do with gaming experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to knock down Loop Hero, but ultimately, like I just got way more invested in Tales of Arise, and that's that's very important. For oh me. yeah, that's <laughs> fair. That's absolutely fair. So, do you have anything um, that you wanna you wanna wanna wrap us up with? Anything you wanna pitch? Anything you wanna shell out for here? Um, shell out for the podcast. Uh, we've been mostly because of me not recording as much as we'd like, mm-hmm. so we're gonna try and rectify that. So, if you're a long time listener, um. Stick around. We're not we're not dead yet. If <laughs> a lot of you will probably notice that we had two episodes just drop like back to back, and that's because that's uh, because we're we're still alive and we we want to keep doing we, it. So, we sure uh, are. Subs- <laughs> just barely. Um, life's taken its toll, but we're we're doing our best. So yeah, subscribe to everything. Follow us on Twitter. We update that sometimes. We sure do. And. And um, yeah, yeah. What what do you got for? If us? they were gonna follow you on Twitter, how would they do so? Oh, me personally, Oof, don't. Oh, okay. That. Um, Arcadia, <laughs> I think. Yeah, Arcadia, A R K E Y D I A. Nice, nice. They'd follow me at Solitalker, S O L I T A L K E R. Mine's too many letters. I gotta, I gotta shorten that down. <laughs> I'll work on that for next week. And then, how about if they were gonna follow the no, whole game off that name? I, I'm trying to remember all the, we haven't done this recently so I'm like what are we on YouTube no we don't update YouTube anymore because we don't have a video component um, find us Stitcher, on Zanga is, uh, and Zanga. search for game off podcast you can find our live journal X capital X lowercase X game off podcast X capital X lowercase X you find us there see if you can get into our top eight on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're on we're on stitcher we're on radio fm we're on all the podcast services just not soundcloud anymore no no soundcloud's grimy yeah it's too expensive so, every, everything but soundcloud and youtube <laughs> so yeah all of the other ones i list any kind of old time social media you can find you know look us up and if you don't find us let us know and we'll, we'll create we'll create our orchid account or whatever you want <laughs> okay yes yes I'm still, i still have that icq maintained <laughs> Uh-oh. Because that was the, the noise that it made was the uh-oh noise. You remember from ICQ? I don't remember that. Is that an actual reference? Yeah, the little uh-oh uh, sound effect. I'm, I'm going to... Uh- we have our Neopets HTML page. 
I'm, I'm going to drop in that ICQ sound effect here. It's going to be it's going to be right now. Uh-oh. Nailed it. Okay, I'll wait for the edit. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. I remember everything now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get out of here. All right. Bye everybody. All right. Do do the do the things. Bye. <laughs>